Welcome to another episode of Strategy and Sourdough. Today, Thomas and I have a very interesting guest in our virtual studio, Francois from Monito.com. Monito is a comparison website for international money transfers. And according to their websites, they aspire to be the booking.com of money transfers, which I thought was a very good description. Francois is one of the three co-founders that started Monito with the frustration of losing out tons of money on international money transfers. According to the World Bank, for every $100 that you send, a recipient only gets $92, so you lose out $8. This was one of the main reasons why they started Monito.com. When I first came to Switzerland, Francois and I had a lunch and a very interesting discussion about the background of Monito. He also told me a little bit about the story of how Monito started and how they did a rebranding exercise, which I thought was quite interesting. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks a lot for the introduction and thanks a lot for having me. I hope that was accurate. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of Monito? And I think it was not originally called Monito, but you did a very interesting branding exercise. Yeah. Exactly. So Taui Pay at the time was co-founded uh, with my old-time friend, Laurent Belter, and my brother, Pascal, in 2013, so quite a while now. And um, yeah, we, we started with this uh, personal experience. Uh, my brother and I was related to transferring money to Cameroon, where we work um, and have founded a nonprofit that helps underprivileged kids with uh, scholarships and, and microcredit. And uh, since day one, when I think we, as kids, we collected around $100 or $200 was how to get the money from Switzerland to Cameroon. And that's kind of the first big hurdle that we faced. And it's still, I've done my last transfer two months ago, and it's still a big hassle. So um, that's based on this frustration that Pascal and I were confronted by this problem. But Laurent had also experienced this while he was studying in, in Hong Kong and had to do money transfers from, from Switzerland to Hong Kong. And so that we came out to this industry with uh, having experience with the problem, but no idea about the solution. And so we took the time to have a look a bit around and what was happening. And I think we were lucky with the timing where a lot of new money transfer were emerging, offering better, cheaper ways, uh, leveraging digital technologies, basically. And so we quickly understood it was not our role uh, to be the 20th in the list to offer the service, but to actually become the list and act on the first step, um, helping people make better decisions, uh, bring transparency in the industry. And so a comparison site was uh, something that uh, came out very quickly as a good solution to help people uh, save money. And I think a good introduction to uh, the branding conversation we'll, we'll have is uh, you, you mentioned the fact that we often present ourselves as the booking.com for money transfer. And that's something where we definitely have been using that sentence. And I'm the first one uh, culpable of that. And I like it because it's very effective. But in another way, it's very hard to build a brand. And if in 10 years, we should be that uh, booking is the money tool of the travel industry, right? And uh, that's not uh, presenting ourselves as being like another brand where, well, build the biggest brands in our industry. So that's some of the discussions we started having and, and thinking, how should we present ourselves? And that's some some exciting dis discussions. Uh, you mentioned the name was originally Tawi Pay. What prompted the need to change the name? So first of all, we really decided for this name even before we had exactly a, a clear idea of what we were actually 
going to do in the industry. And uh, we brainstormed in about 20 minutes and that was done. And so really early on, we knew that Towie Bay was not a good name. And the first reason is we could try the exercise with your listener trying to, to write it down. But uh, we actually did the test and recorded ourselves saying the term Pay, and went on uh, Amazon Mechanical Turk and had 700 people answer how to write it down. And we had hundreds of different answers. And so that definitely did not pass the radio test where if we we're lucky to be on BBC and having people talk about Pay, no one could actually find our service. And so that was one of the biggest problem, but also the pay in the name. People were misled in, in understanding that we were actually doing the transaction, whereas it was not our case, we're a comparison. So quite early on, we knew that there were a lot of drawbacks to this name, uh, but it took a lot of time in order to prioritize, find a new name, test it, and then launch it. Can you tell us a little bit about the process on how you came up with the name yeah. Monitor? Because I think that's a fantastic name. It's so short, and uh, I can see that there's a relation to money as well, but... I'm curious about the background story of how you actually came up with such a succinct and impactful name. Yeah, I think it's been a long process. I think we've had maybe three or four different attempts uh, that were unsuccessful to find a better name until we found this one. So I think it, we had different brainstorming session and workshop in a span of two, two years, maybe, in order to find a better name. And in that case, it's actually... A bit of serendipity, but we had a lot of posts about different ideas in, in one of our office room. And um, on the very left side, there was a money, uh, M-O-N-I. And, and on the very end, we had uh, the suffix ito, which we found was quite nice and found in, in some others. And it was just connecting the two dots and say, oh, that's that's pretty good. Then getting the monito.com was, was another story. We had this big problem of the radio test. How would our users be able to write it down when they would listen or hear the brand name? And so we did test Monito in comparison with a similar test in order to see are we solving our problem. And there the results were overwhelming, like where maybe 5 to 10% of the listener of Tawipay were able to write it down correctly or close to a variation that where they would find us. I think it was about 75% of respondents on the second survey would either write Monito or something so close that Google would easily spot the spelling mistake and, and redirect the user to the right domain name. So that was a good validation for us. We love data and we are in our comfort zone where we can validate our hypothesis with some data. And so it was a, an interesting test to run. I really love the notion of a radio test. I think for a lot of our listeners, it's a good learning on how to test your name, especially early on as most company names or a lot of startup names are really developed before you know exactly how we, what business you're going to really get into. Radio test is a good way of checking it out. So three to four different approaches over two years, landing with Monito, can you talk a little bit about the brand strategy now behind that? I mean, you've got a fantastic name, radio test is all, all past. How does that come to life as a brand strategy for the company? To be honest, for a couple of years, it didn't turn into anything related to brand strategy, I would say. We've done a lot of things intuitively, uh, but we haven't really sat down and, and thought about, hey, how should we position our brand? What's the different touch point of our customers with regards to our brand and how to optimize that and how to optimize for user retention. And I think it's based on two main reasons. The first one is it's in my DNA, but also I think in the early marketing team DNA to be very performance oriented. And I think it's very good as a startup in the early days to 
have this DNA in order to to be able to you need to show results very fast and and sometimes that's where we've been doing a lot of experiments from pay to organic but really on channels where you can measure every step in a seven day window so not very more short term than long term in that regard so we've been discarding a bit the more brand building long term um, strategies and on the other end it's a bit of a challenge of our model where we are super useful for a very number of customers, but with a very, very short uh, session and interaction with our site. In a sense, users comparing on Monito, if they want to send money abroad, they can save up to $100, $200 for one year worth of transfer if they switch to a cheaper provider by doing a one-minute visit on Monito. And we optimize for being as efficient as possible. And so in that regard, it's very performance driven it works very well but from a brand perspective no one would remember that monito has been one of the trigger that helped them save 100 200 and in that regard if we were to go in the street and hand out a hundred dollar bill to random people and saying that's monito.com people would remember us for five years like this crazy guy who was uh, giving me money and so that's a challenge that we have how to build a brand with one minute 30 interaction on average with our site when we deliver our value proposition but it's definitely something where nowadays we're thinking more and more about it it's something we started mid last year trying to lay out the foundations of what and that going back to the analogy with booking.com personally i don't really know what made them so successful. And I think it's a mix of being very performance driven. And we know that they are very big on Google search and Google ads and touching so many customers that at the end of the day, they become a synonym to the action on, on the industry. Like I'm, I'm doing a booking or, or even companies like us using them as an example of what we're doing. But we know that if we want to achieve that, we will, it won't happen by luck. We need to be more deliberate. And so we started thinking about it, but I'd say we're still quite early on the, on the journey. One of the topics that we like to discuss on this show is when startups should really start thinking seriously about investing in brand building for the longer term. Because like you mentioned, most startups in the early days start with performance driven, seven day windows, all about generating enough revenue so that you have enough runway to keep the business going. At what point mm -hmm. did you guys realize you know what, we probably need to start thinking a bit long term and figure out what makes sense for our business model and what brand building looks like for us. What prompted that? Do you remember the internal discussions that led to that? So some are anecdotal. So for example, we really had this discussion of someone joining our team on the marketing side and saying, hey, you should stop saying we are the booking.com for money transfer because we need to build our own brand and not. So, so that was really some anecdotal decision and, and we didn't have- Valid points. We didn't have a, really a framework to answer this question, what, what is best? And so we had to kind of trigger some discussions around it. But in terms of our, when we started in our startup journey, thinking about brand building, I would say that it's at a time where the business model was validated, things were going well, and it was about scaling the existing uh, business model. And we had a bit more, we were shifting a bit this window between the short term to the midterm. In the very early days of the startup, you're all about very short term and long term. You need to communicate about your vision in 10 years, and then you go back to work and you need to make sure that you can pay everyone the next month, right? So you're navigating between these two. And I think now we are able to kind of tap into the midterm and thinking about more in a three-year, five-year window. And I think that's at this time where we felt more confident to dedicate more time into brand building. 
was that too late? Maybe. So it's I wouldn't say it's the best one. It's how we how we kind of approach it. Going back to the performance angle a little bit, you mentioned a seven day window. Can you share maybe a couple of tips without giving too many of your secrets away to some of the listeners on your sort of performance cycle uh, in marketing? How do you make sure that your performance is optimized to the, the best possible levels for your business? And seven day might have been a bit exaggerated. I would say more of a month's lead than a, than a weekly window. But I would say when it comes to paid campaigns, you already have some good data from one to seven days. So you already are able to tweak a bit what you're doing in order to optimize. Then... I think it's all about data and tracking the right KPIs. So you need to have the right setup in order to see what, what do I need to monitor and, and what is performance for me? Am I optimizing for eyeballs, impressions, for sessions, for conversions on your side, for uh, return on investment if you are spending money on, on, on marketing? So I think it's um, you need to align the stage of your business with your objective and, and being able to track that very precisely. We have a three or four different analytics solutions. Um, so I think that speaks to um, how in control we want to be with what's happening on, on our side in order to be able to, to optimize that. But then it really depends on, on what's the business type. Of course, if you have a, a SaaS-like model where uh, you have a conversion uh, funnel that, that spans two or three months because it's a big company decision to go with a software or another, definitely you cannot measure your success of your marketing in a seven-day window. For us, most of our conversion happen on the first session and so that's something where we can very quickly be able to see all right on average here is the conversion rate that means that this is performing well or not well and therefore we need to adjust so i would say it depends on the business but for us we really the fundamentals are building the right tracking and analytics solution and then strategically thinking about your kpis in order to be able to optimize for the right things I want to use this as an opportunity to ask my burning question on SEO because I think your website has super useful articles, which I'm sure contributing a lot to SEO. But SEO is a bit in the middle in terms of it definitely helps create that value for the consumers and associate that goodwill for the monitor brand, but it also is a strategic conversion tool in the short term. So how do you use SEO at Monitor, specifically all the way from doing keyword research, coming up with the right articles and measuring the quality of those articles. What does that process look like for you guys? No, it's a, it's a good burning question because it's uh, it's really at the heart of our business. Organic channels or SEO is our is our main driver of growth, both in terms of sessions and conversions. And so that's something where we spend a lot of time thinking about. It's a channel we kind of stumble upon. We kind of, without optimizing too much in the early days, we got a bit of traffic after a few years and then we say, all right, that's quite interesting. We need to, we have no marginal cost on this traffic, so we need to invest a bit more into, um, and, and that's already a bit more uh, short midterm than paid search, for example. And today we are in a good position where we can think about SEO at scale, meaning that, of course, we do all the things like guide or article where we'll do some keyword research to understand what the search intent is, then look at the SERP, search engine results pages, see what the competition is offering and making sure that we can provide better value proposition than everything that is out there. Then it's in the hands of our great editors or content writers to answer this user intent as the best way as possible. And then making sure that, for example, if the user intent we believe is not completely going in the right direction, for example, I'm looking for my bank's exchange rates, meaning I want to know the exchange rate of my bank to do an international money transfer, well, first answer this user intent 
and then try to have a nudge saying, all right, yeah, maybe your bank is not the right way to transfer money. They're charging you 5% in hidden uh, markup on the exchange rate. Here is our comparison side in order to see what are the other alternatives. But I think what I really like about SEO nowadays, and it wasn't maybe that way 10 years ago, but it's really about answering user needs the best way possible. And then from there, it should be going quite, quite well. Of course, there are all the technical stuff. But And when I was saying that we, we are able to approach that at scale is that we more and more think about SEO or content investments that we're making as, as portfolios. So we can say, all right, here is a topic that we like, uh, that we believe has a good search volume as a whole. Let's write 10 to 20 variations on that content. So for example, back to the bank's exchange rate, we know that someone is searching, for example, in Singapore about DBS exchange rate. There are five or six large banks in Singapore that we can replicate that. And maybe one of these articles will not be performing very well, but as a whole, as a portfolio, we became quite confident that we can invest into a series of articles and, and that will play out very nicely in terms of traffic conversions. And when it comes to branding and SEO, I think it's a, it's a shift that we are also more and more approaching is that we attack this from a very conversion angle and it works very well. But there are also some type of content where that's what we call authority content, where we can also demonstrate Monito's expertise in the area, which is very key to gain the trust of our customers in the recommendations that we're making there. And so, for example, lately, we've been analyzing Western Union financial reports um, that were out last week. We are looking at the trends in the remittances slash money transfer industry. So we are building some, some more, let's say, editorial or high-quality content that is maybe less consumer-oriented, but has also a goal to show to our customers and users that we are at the authority in the space and that we can earn their trust. And related to that is also where you'll get mentions, you'll get backlinks, thinking about your authority as a brand that will also indirectly or very directly benefit your USEO strategy. So that's uh, there is kind of a flywheel effect where one reinforces the other. That's really good and a very thorough way of looking at SEO because at the end of the day, if you think about the authority content, it is actually moving more into using search for your brand. You know, you are actually lifting the brand trust brand expertise in the eyes of the audience that may um, may become customers you refer um, in the future. Maybe just on, on that topic, and, and I think it's where, um, I don't know if you are aware of the Google section that is called Discover. So if you're Android, is when you swipe left and you have kind of recommendation of articles, but it's also on Chrome when you open a new tab. And that is becoming a bigger and bigger marketing channels for news website, but not only. And it's also part of SEO because there are some of the fundamentals that you can optimize for, but it's really about, but it's less, it's not keyword based, right? It's not the user intent. It's Google believing that this demographic might be interested by this content uh, because maybe they previously searched about something similar or just because of the other articles they've clicked. And that's also a great delivery channel for those kind of authority content. It's very early on, so there is a lot of optimization and learnings to be done, but um, we're seeing that we can also provide more authority and news-related article within our industry with a distribution channel within the Google Discover, and it's quite a, an emerging channel interesting to, to dig into. So, And I believe where you'll get also much more brand-building potential because images, it's a bit less search engine driven. So you can also try to position your brand a bit more in your favor than just answering a user intent. So on this topic of SEO, because uh, you are in Switzerland and there are four official languages in Switzerland, just like Singapore, 
is everything that you do in English or are you looking at other languages and how do you manage that? Because the complexity increases with every language. Yeah, I often say that's one of the advantages of starting in Switzerland is that you understand that launching in one language is not an option. We definitely never really had Switzerland in our radar as a focus market. We operate from there, but we, we had a global mindset from day one. And that led us to have to launch since day one in multiple languages, and we covered nine languages today. Definitely adds up to the complexity of launching new features and translating content types. But it's really something where, yeah, the world is not only in English and uh, a lot of people specifically on topics that are quite complex and um, they want to be comfortable and will look for information in, in their uh, mother tongue. So for us, translating or even localizing, which is I found out is very different. Obviously, English is our main language. It's where most of our customers are visiting. But when you accumulate the next three or four languages, it's already bigger than English. So it's the long tail and we'd love to add more. But it's really something interesting. And on this topic of localization, because I think it's very important, at start, we were writing in English and then going through a translation service to uh, kind of in bulk translate everything. And now we really shifted towards having local experts that not only master the language, but also have an understanding of the culture uh, that is different and specifically around money. In Switzerland, you might know everything money related is taboo, whereas I would, from things that I hear talking about salary or, or money related things in the uh, American culture is much more open. So having a Polish content writer being able to address Polish polls in the UK or having someone from Latin America writing in Spanish for the North American audience, for example, is something that is very, very important for us. Yes, we've spoken a lot about performance marketing. We've spoken a lot about SEO and how that's been a real competitive advantage for you from a marketing perspective. What do you think is next after this? What, what, what do you think is going to help you get to the, even the next level from a perspective of marketing as a company? It's always good to keep some bandwidth in your team to explore new channels. Uh, and obviously, you need to scale what works, stop doing what doesn't work, and continue to explore things that will work or will bring the second wave of growth. And I think we are going more and more upper funnel, meaning that, of course, everything search-related, be it organic and paid, is generally quite down the funnel. Um, you can target very transactional queries, and that's where you have a high conversion rates. But obviously, at a certain point, you tap the maximum potential. You can do some optimization, and you can ride the wave of the market that grow. But at the end of the day, you need to, I would say, expand a bit. And so some of the things we're looking at on two sides of the model, very more going more upper funnel is um, going into video. That's an area where, where I'd love to explore tapping also in the YouTube distribution channel. Still in Google's wall garden, but I think it's uh, it's a channel that would be quite interesting for more informational targeting and also making sure that we are able to build a deeper connection with our customers that might spend only one to one minute 30 on our side with um, email marketing, basically providing value beyond the first search, for example, through an alert on the currency exchange rate, knowing that, all right, it's it's at the 14 days high right now. So I might be doing my transfer right now rather than one week when it might have gone down. So it's um, educational content through newsletters or so that's two areas where we'd love to um, to explore. But overall, it's really some of the, the exciting projects that we're working on is really on on trying to fine-tuning our brand positioning and, and basically thinking about money too as a guide. And we need to develop the empathy of a guide, but also the authority. So um, we've been uh, tooling with those two concepts uh, for a while now and have been trying to uh, to develop these two areas in order to 
yeah, to hopefully build a bigger brand and have people uh, remember money till better, even if they just spend a couple of minutes and be able to earn the trust of our customers, which is really at the end of the day in our model, everything that we have as an, as an asset. Today's conversation comes at a very interesting time because I just probably about an hour ago found out that TransferWise is renaming to WISE. Yeah. <laughs> and it almost seems like the world of fintech is starting with money transfers and then evolving their business model to become digital banks. How do you think, if at all, this affects your business model going forward? Do you think it's going to have any impact anytime soon or it's business as usual for you? You know, the, the timing couldn't be better. I've been spending the morning sharing my analysis on the TransferWise rebranding, and obviously it has a, a lot of impact on our sites from purely an SEO perspective. What do we do with our TransferWise review, uh, rebranding it to more uh, strategic mindset? And and maybe one comment before, uh, back to the money tool, that's for something for me where it was very important to have a generic name. Because for me, it's the blank canvas where you can build everything around it that you want. Whereas you see, it's a bit harder in the beginning because it's people don't get really what you're doing. Uh, Transferwise was a very good name because I think the word wise is very powerful, but also transfer, meaning you know what they are about. But they've outgrown their name and they've been doing more than money transfer. And so they had to, had to do the change. And it's quite interesting that they really change the least amount of things as possible. So they keep the colors, they keep the flag, uh, they kept the wise because they had such a big brand already that it makes sense to only change the part that was kind of uh, being a hurdle or blocking them in their, in their development. And in terms of how it impacts the industry, I think it's definitely something that is, that is interesting. We, we see that new banks start to be money transfer operators, money transfer operators starts to become new banks and adding services left and right. And I think First, it's good for the consumers. Then for us, it means that there are more things to compare and the comparison becomes more complex because do we go with TransferWise for the money transfers with Revolut for, let's say, the crypto trading and uh, Monzo as your current account in the UK because you want to have the card in the right color and direct debit set up with all your different banks, etc. Or do you want to compare one bundle that makes you maybe not the best in all of those services, but on average is the best. So that adds up complexity to the comparison. That's things that we answer on our side. So we do compare new banks. We do compare the travel money cards as well and compare the travel money cards versus travel cash, which is still a thing, at least pre-pandemic. And so for us, it's, uh, it's uh, we see ourselves evolving a bit as the, as the industry is evolving. And purely from a commercial perspective, it means the providers are offering different services in which they can monetize the customer. And I think it's also good for the customer long-term to make sure that these providers are not just burning VC money, but have actually a sound business model that makes that they will be there in 10 years. And I think it's good for the consumer, but also for us as our business model is affiliation. That means that a customer that we sent to TransferWise or a Moniz or any other challenger bank has a higher value. And so it means that our business model is more likely to be sustainable as an affiliate slash comparison player. I will make an attempt to summarize what we've discussed and some of the learnings that we've picked up um, along the way. So when you first started the business, uh, the name Tawi Pay was, was what you really started off with and not necessarily having yet a clear idea of what exactly within this international money transfer space you wanted to pay in. But then you introduced this really interesting concept of the radio test. What percentage of our customers were actually able to repeat or write 
how your brand actually is written. And you mentioned only about 5% were able to, to capture Tawipay. And a couple of things really about that name, that research went into it, of course, but the name pay or the word pay in the name was actually a bit of an issue as well. And you also mentioned that in hindsight, a name like Moneto actually is a bit of a blank canvas name. So it provides longevity for your business. Once you had changed your name, about 75% of people in this radio test were able to come back with the right spelling and the right, right sort of name. So immediately you had some pretty good results. But from there, the, the naming actually led into doing a lot of things intuitively. So not necessarily sitting down and putting together a brand strategy per se, and um, really focused early on on the growth of the business. So starting with performance, really thinking strategically about what the actual KPIs and metrics were that you wanted to measure against, and then really going hard into measuring that performance and optimizing against that performance. A good learning for our listeners, which is it's important to know what performance your specific business should care about and what metrics your specific business is really built from. And that enables you to optimize your marketing properly. For your specific business, it was more about optimizing conversion early on. The other thing you mentioned also was really picking the right technology tools, the right data tools to be able to actually look at that data and action off the back of that really, really well. From your specific business early on, I think the business model was one that it makes it a little harder to optimize the brand. Essentially being a comparison site, it makes it a little harder to kind of own things in the branding business. But one thing that you had discussed with your co-founders perhaps was that after the business model was really validated, it was perhaps the right time to start thinking about more sort of long-term marketing, more what the brand could stand for in the longer term, and really moving to complement that performance model that's working for you really, really well. But a lot of the really key learnings in this, so SEO has, has been a main driver of your growth and really looking into intent from keyword research was a great springboard for you to be able to optimize the value proposition to answer that intent as well as possible and better than anybody else. Then really investing in creating a lot of articles, creating a lot of valuable content based on that intent data to answer those user needs as well as possible. And I loved your portfolio approach to SEO investment. So picking a business topic like FX, for example, and then writing 20 article variations about that and creating sort of content at scale to be able to capitalize on that intent. The other side of it was really this, what you called authority content, which is how do we build expertise and trust as a business? So not just look at conversion from SEO, but also create that high quality editorial content to be able to establish expertise and trust. And within that regard as well, when we look at SEO and organic channels, perhaps more for brand building, you mentioned emerging channels like Google Discover. So really becoming a huge marketing channel in what the audience might be interested in. But what was perhaps the most eye-opening was this notion of multiple languages. So you knew perhaps starting a business in Switzerland and living in a culture and environment where multiple languages is kind of your day-to-day -day considerations. You mentioned that launching one language was never really an option for you. And today you actually cover nine languages. And also what the really interesting part about that was that it's not enough to just translate the content, but having local experts, local expert content writers to not only understand the language, but the culture and the business nuances really became a competitive advantage, I would say, uh, in creating an SEO presence that drives huge results. And then when we spoke about the experimentation part of it, so you mentioned it was really important to provide bandwidth for your teams to experiment. And, and in your case, now that you have performance marketing really well covered, you have your organic side of things very well covered. So your bottom to mid funnel seems to be optimized to a point of 
not necessarily getting much incremental return from that anymore. Switching a little bit more to upper funnel activities like video through YouTube distribution channels, as well as some of the email marketing to build relationships with your customers is going to be key for you um, in the future to address the entire funnel accordingly. And then he also mentioned the evolution of fintech and TransferWise um, or TransferWise rebrand into WISE is likely to be really good for the industry and also good for Monito because more things to compare in the future. Is there anything that we didn't cover or anything that you'd like to add? I mean, that was a great summary. I wish I had say, said that as concisely as you did, but uh, no, I think it's, it covers well our story around uh, Monito and branding and marketing channels in a, in a more broader sense. Thank you very much for making time for us today, Francois. And one last question before we leave. What's the best way for our listeners to keep track of Monito's story? Sure. So if you want to follow a bit more about the startup story of Monito, I'm Francois Brio on LinkedIn. Happy to connect and, uh, and chat about it. But also that's where I post a bit more at the behind the scenes of uh, growing a startup. Thank you, Francois, again. And thanks, Thomas. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Strategy and Sourdough. Please drop us an email at hello at strategyandsourdough.com with any questions, suggestions, or feedback on this episode. 